Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. Now, the first thing I have to confess, that given that this is a podcast today about internet dating, is that I have never, ever in my life once swiped right or swiped left or ever been on a dating app. And I'm not boasting about that. I'm just telling you how old I am and also how I've just been in long term serial monogamy relationships and um, the current one having gone on for around 22 years. So I haven't had the need for the apps. I'm sure I'd be on them like a hot snot if if I did need them. But anyway, we're talking about the minefield of dating apps today. And we're going to be talking, thankfully, with a guest who is someone who knows an awful lot more than me about navigating these spaces as a heterosexual woman these days. Yeah, so there's kind of like a few different genres of married man on dating apps. One is the guy who will be like, think it's like sexy like think it's like yeah like let's meet for some no strings fun and it's like (laughs) that's not sexy dude if you're not if you're not having fun with your wife why do I like why would I want to I mean not that I would want to have fun if you were having fun with your wife but you know what I mean and then there's another type of guy who would just be like you know don't judge me in a sexless loveless marriage it's usually sexless actually I don't think they care about the love bit (laughs) Um, you know, just looking to get my needs met, but I'm staying for the kids. It's like, oh my God, what a hero. <laughs> like, oh my God, well done, mate. Like, oh, do you know what? What a good guy that you're, you know, just trying to cheat on your wife on dating apps because of the kids, for the kids. That was the voice there of Aileen Barrett, who has written a book, a book that she calls A Dictionary of Douchebaggery for the Modern Dater. She is the Tinder translator and it's a hilariously sharp read from the woman behind the Instagram page at Tinder Translators. So 10 years after the introduction of Tinder, dating apps, as you know, have changed the terrain of human interaction. But many people feel like they've just been sent into the wilderness without a guide. And for those dating heterosexual men, especially the blatant misogyny encountered during every swipe session is depressing and enraging in equal measure. And then there is the not so blatant stuff. Scrolling through profile after profile, you'll see the same stock phrases. Good vibes only, must have banter, no drama, just ask. But what do they actually mean? Well, Aileen Barrett, as I said, is the Tinder translator. And she, in this book, takes you through an A to Z of terminology that permeates not just the dating world, but the wider world. It is part reference, part rant and part rallying cry for anyone navigating the sometimes gross and exhausting experience of dating. But it's also for everyone who is sick of the patriarchy, whatever their relationship status 
Aileen's marriage broke down and she found herself out on the dating scene again and swore that she would never go on the apps. But as inevitably happens, she found herself back there and kind of appalled at what she found. So the Tinder translator idea came from wanting to decode what men and a lot of the time there's this misogyny going on, what men are saying on the apps. And in in doing that, she has created a whole community and the result is this book. I began by asking Aileen why she decided to start translating Tinder bios in the first place. I was on dating apps, Tinder and Bumble and all the rest of it. Uh, tried a few of them for about three and a half years on and off, which I think most people are on and off in one way or another, either dating and then going back or deleting them out of like, boredom or frustration. Um, and then going back again. Uh, I was married until um, the summer of 2016. Uh, I was in a relationship for nine and a half years. So in that time, dating apps had become a thing. Um, Tinder came out, I think, in 2012. Um, and sort of by the time it was 2016 was kind of the way people were dating now, um, which had not been the case uh, when I was dating before and uh so I decided to get on them probably ill-advisedly short time after I was separated and just the experiences I had um kind of made me well want to make fun of some of the stuff that was happening really um so I decided to start this page where I translate tinder bios so I take a bio and I kind of then change it into what the subtext really means or, you know, one interpretation of what the subtext really means. But was it very quite quickly that you realised, God, there's a lot of um, repetition here in the the things that guys are saying in their bios and that it became very clear very quickly that there was almost, uh, yeah, a a language used in these bios that would give uh, signals to women and should make women run away in certain (laughs) cases. Yeah, I think there's definitely it definitely doesn't take long for anyone on dating apps. I think regardless of gender, actually, um, there are there's a lot of kind of repeated phrases. I mean, it's it's kind of like harping back to that the lonely hearts columns of yesteryear, you know, like good sense of humor and all those things. But some of them are are gendered and um, are kind of more. Uh, have a sort of darker or maybe a more red flaggy meaning behind them. And it doesn't take long at all because it's so repetitive um, to the extent that I don't understand why anyone puts these phrases in their bio because everyone's got them. Um, But yeah, it doesn't take you long to notice that A, it's quite like dully repetitive, but also B, there's just like the levels of open misogyny are just quite shocking really yeah because your book is subtitled an a to z of modern misogyny and we're going to go through some of them soon but i think Mm -hmm. just be interested in your initial um impressions and observations when you first went onto the dating apps i mean you Mm -hmm. started to see that online men were much more willing to talk to you like an object or to belittle you than perhaps they would in real life that's just so depressing that I mean, mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't I'm not surprised, but I, I was a bit surprised by some of your book because it seems like men on dating apps or some men, not all hashtag, not all men, as you say, at the <laughs> beginning of the book, behave in a completely different way than they would if they met someone in a bar. Yeah, I think it's like anything online. And I talk about this briefly in the book that, um, you know, it's it's like social media. It, you know, it's like people on Twitter who 
are foul to each other in ways that they would never be to each other's face. Um, and then you've got the kind of anon- anonymous, you know, n- pictureless people on, on Twitter who are even more foul. And um, you kind of get that a bit in dating apps. But with dating apps, it's almost a, a step further removed because the only person who's seeing what you write is the person you're talking to. So, well, obviously there's your bio, but once you're in a conversation, you know, if you send sexual messages within five, you know, you know, five exchanges of pleasantries, then the only person who's seeing it is the person that you are, um, that you are sending those to. So there's a kind of another level of anonymity that you can kind of maybe like get away with things that you wouldn't if more people were present. So are you saying then as well, like you do say in the book, that things can turn sexual very, very quickly, much more quickly than they would in real life? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's um, when I make that joke of like, oh, you know, the people, sorry, it's usually men who message and start talking about sex within 10 messages. Um, People are like, 10? That's a lot, you know, Um, (laughs) because sometimes you know be the first thing that's said to you and it's just it's you know it's the objectification thing and again it's easier to objectify someone who isn't in front of you as a a human and they're a picture um and you know whatever context you're in in your home just sort of you know sitting there scrolling um so yeah no it's it can be very quick obviously you know like like you said it's not everyone but it's it's an astounding proportion of the men you talk to will turn anything you say sexual as well. Like it, you know, they'll just go, just really like, oh, I'll be like, I'm eating dinner. They'll be like, oh, you like things in your mouth, do you? You know, it's like, well, no, well, maybe, but no, uh, yeah, uh, and it's like does themselves a bad service as well because it's so unattractive. Like if if any sex was going to happen, it's now not going to happen. So. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. no one's a winner. And listen, no talk to me about unsolicited pictures of people's penises, which are called dick pics, obviously. Mm-hmm. If you were in a bar or if you're walking down the street and somebody revealed their penis to you and you didn't want them to, that's a sexual assault, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But it, it seems to be like the, on the on the dating apps, it's like this Wild West that this is perfectly OK, but... In another way, it's like flashing to me. I don't under I, I, I as someone who's never been on a dating app or never been sent a dick pic, I have to confess that I find it <laughs> actually bizarre. And can you yeah. sort of talk me through it a little bit? I know I'm sounding like a prude. It's not that I'm a prude. It's just I find it kind of amazing that online this is almost acceptable and just a little sort of annoying thing that sometimes happens rather than something that's a big deal and you call the police about. Yeah, well, actually, there is like some campaigning at the moment, I think, as part of the online harms bill to make uh, sending dick pics or um, digital flashing, they call it, a crime. So like um, you can technically actually report it if you wanted to, but it's kind of murky territory. Um, Obviously, consensual sending of nudes of adults is fine, whatever people want to do in a safe way. But um, yeah, it is so weirdly normalised. I mean, some of the apps like on Tinder, you can't actually send photos. So it's like it must people men will try and like drive women to Snapchat or WhatsApp or whatever places that they'll be like, oh, let's, you know, exchange numbers or what's your Snapchat? and I wouldn't say like just so they can do that, but I think there is an element of that with with some guys who find it um, arousing. Because the thing is, I think 
people are like, well, why do they think we want to see that? <laughs> it's like, I don't think they do think about what we want to see. It's to do with like a power, it, like it, like flashing in public is, it's not to do with like, oh, they'll enjoy this. You know, it's more like, oh, I get a kick out of doing this. Um, and then maybe not even, it's not even that thought through half the time, but the the way it's normalised and the way a lot of this stuff is normalised, which it would be, like you say, sexual harassment, sexual assault in person um, is something that, I and other people are really trying to sort of kind of highlight and, you know, flag like this isn't acceptable behaviour. This is actually criminal behaviour um, in some cases. So, yeah, I mean, it is a bizarre thing that's become, you know, the subject of jokes, but it's not really funny when you think about it on any kind of level, you know. Do you think, you know, what you notice, what you've basically written a book about is sexism and misogyny on, on the online dating apps. Do you think there's a sense of these men, some men on the dating apps, just not really, um, it's, it's they've dehumanised the women that they're looking at, that they're not actual real life breathing women, that they're just pictures on an app. And so therefore they behave in ways as, you know, that, that they wouldn't behave to a real woman in the real world. Yeah, absolutely. I think, some people on dating apps, and I'm sure this is true of all genders again, um, but with maybe less nefarious um, intent, some people than others, is some people on dating apps aren't, I don't think they're really there to date. They're there for lots of different things. Maybe they're lonely and they want to chat, maybe whatever. Um, and I think some guys are there to kind of be titivated, um, but not in a way that's like leading anywhere or very human. And I sort of talk about in my book, one of the things I keep coming back to is like, we all just have someone who sees us as a full human being. And actually a lot of these guys just don't see women as full human beings. They see us as bodies or, I mean, uh, you know, disembodied photos, uh, ideas online. Um, but there's definitely um, the case that people get seen as, yeah, like really dehumanised. It's much easier to objectify someone Um it's much easier to kind of reveal your inner misogynist on a dating app, I think, which is a blessing and a curse, I suppose, for women everywhere. Because if you can identify it, then you can never meet the man and uh, get on with your life. You have this superpower of translating Tinder bios. I think you're, you've helped a lot of people with this book. Um, so I want to go into a bit of the translation. Mm-hmm. One of your most recent ones is translating a, a bio of a guy called Andy from Dublin. So it really caught yeah. our eye. Um, <laughs> and this this guy, uh, some of his details on his bio said, magician at Pleasure Academy. Yes, mm. squirting is real. You just haven't met anyone good enough yet. No, you don't need to see my face. You'll be blindfolded and tied down. So maybe it doesn't take too much translation, but what kind of guy do you think Andy from Dublin is, Aileen? Um, <laughs> I think the best uh, the best case scenario is that he is somebody who uh, gets off on these ideas and is never going to carry them out. And the worst case scenario is he actually thinks that there's women who would meet him without ever seeing his face and let him tie them up and do things to them. I mean, I think this really... Te- t- touches on a massive theme which is um a lot of men using kink uh, which is a really valid form of sexual exploration between consenting adults in a safe environment um and there's loads of communities that do that really well but men using the kind of language of kink and like tying you up and stuff to just basically uh be dominant and violent towards women in a way that turns them on which is not um a safe or consensual 
scenario for the women involved. Um, and I think he's probably one of those guys. I mean, it's it's sort of almost so comical that one. It's it's not like I just I can't even be outraged well, by it. It is, but it, you also do go into opening lines that some men use on Tinder that I I, mm-hmm. I was surprised by, and I'd lo- love you to talk to me about them. Some of them on dating apps say, "Can I pee on you? Can I come over and destroy your pussy? Do you do anal? You look like you give a good blowjob." I mean. Do they not know that the majority of women are not going to respond to these things positively? What are they up to? I think, again, the idea of um, objectification comes in because I don't think they're thinking about what we like or how to attract us. Um, You know, I get that a lot on my page. People have been, because some of the bios are just wild. Um, People will say, like, does he really think that's going to work? I'm like, he's not thought at all, I don't think. I, I don't see how a reasonable person or even an unreasonable person has gone how am I going to attract women I'm going to say this stuff because it's so like beyond what I'd say the vast vast majority of women find sexy or attractive and um, I think that they're not really thinking about necessarily what a woman would want or how to uh, interact with us again on a human level it's more like kind of fishing. Like if you say that to a thousand women, then maybe one of them will respond in a way you want them to. Um, or not even that, just saying what you want because you don't, not really thinking about it and you just think it's fun or funny or an exercise of power or it turns you on to say that kind of thing to women and here's like a hundred women you can say it to all at once type thing. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's go through some of the A to Z of misogyny that we very cleverly laid out. A is an interesting one because it's for just ask. And mm-hmm. that's if you see that in someone's bio, you would see that as a major red flag. Tell us why. Well, yeah, so some people's bios have literally all they have is just ask. So it's, um, you know, short for basically just ask me what you want to ask me. Um, I'm not going to write anything here. And I actually think that's worse than writing nothing because (laughs) nothing implies that you haven't thought about it and you've just not written anything. Just ask implies that you decided to just say, I'm not going to do any of the work here. If you want to know about me, I'll tell you. I'm not going to say anything about myself. And for me, it's like, it's not a red flag in terms of like, this person's going to be abusive or whatever, but it's like, 
If you can't even be bothered to write three sentences, if you can't think of three interesting things or one interesting thing to say about yourself, why am I going to put any effort into this conversation? It's establishing from straight at the beginning, you are doing the work and they are just being asked. And, you know, there's just like such a passivity and such a sort of arrogance to it. Um, And... Yeah, I hate that so much. It's just one of my massive bugbears. I hate it so much. Okay, D is for no drama. So why is Mm -hmm. that something that you should run away from? Well, I think this one is really heavily gendered, actually, because I think that it's much more women than men that get told that they are dramatic in relationships. And that is because the kinds of emotions that women are socialised to display, like sadness or worry or um you know trying to communicate about your needs um are often characterized by as dramatic by especially male partners who um like can't deal with those needs can't don't have the emotional intelligence or literacy to engage with the women um and so it's easier to just say oh my god you're so dramatic um so when people say no drama especially when it's written in all caps, which is the most dramatic of all punctuation, I find that hilarious because it's immediately says like, mm, I think you're the drama here because if your relationships keep, keep being dramatic, I, I suggest that maybe people are just having normal human emotions and you can't deal with it or you don't want to deal with it. So you just kind of call them dramatic um, and, and tap out. And it's also a way of, from the offset... Um, sort of setting a demand that like you don't like dramatic women so you know you better not be dramatic which then makes us kind of mask our emotions mask our needs um try and like be the cool girl for them um and that is a road to unhappiness basically i think jay is for just joking so this sort of thing of like they do something and then you don't you take offense and now it's your mm-hmm. problem and it's now you're being a you're a stuffy or you're not getting the joke is that that's a very common one yeah i think that's really common in um dating app exchanges and also just in general in like exchanges with uh men and women online uh if they will they will kind of see test the waters and see if you laugh or not there's a an idea I write about in the book, which I couldn't find the origins of. And I really want to, because this person's brilliant, um, of an idea called um, Schrodinger's douchebag, (laughs) which is um, that basically something is a joke or not, uh, depending on whether the person didn't find it funny. So if I said to you, oh my God, literally all men are awful human beings, and you were like, that's a bit harsh, I'd immediately go, this would be Schroeder's doof. I'd be like, oh my God, it's just a joke. Like, chill out. <laughs> yeah. But if you said, yeah, they are, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so glad you agree. So right. it's that kind of thing. Or, you know, so when you're pulled up on things, whether it's sexualizing people really quickly um, or, you know, something bigoted, which, you know, obviously, again, is too common in this world, then it's it's easy to just say, oh my God, it's just joking. Why can't you take a joke? Um, and flip it back on the other person for being too sensitive or too woke in inverted commas or whatever, rather than, um, you know, take criticism. 
What does it mean? We're going to V for vanilla. What does it mean if someone says they're not looking for anyone vanilla? And is that a warning sign as well? I think it's a massive warning sign. So in the past, um, I would say that the term vanilla would have been frigid. So like in the late 90s when I was a teenager, early noughties um, and way before, I think. as well. Yeah, it was in the 80s Um, when I was growing up as well. Frigid was the worst thing a boy could say to you. Yeah, so... But with with us, I think, I don't know if it's the same for everyone, but certainly for me, frigid usually meant like you wouldn't kiss someone or you wouldn't do other stuff with them, depending on your age, you know, Um, like maybe you wouldn't do like have like it might mean you wouldn't have sort of penetrative sex with them. But it was generally like to do with like what sex actually would you do? And it was a way of kind of shaming girls who wouldn't, you know, do what boys wanted to do. Um, and then obviously we, they would also be shamed for being sluts if they did do that. So great times, everybody. Um, but the vanilla thing, which is, you know, kind of used against young women today. So it comes from the BDSM community and it just means like sex that isn't BDSM. So just normal sex. Probably most of the sex that people are having is vanilla sex in inverted commas. Um, but it's become this like weaponized thing to um, make young girls again feel sort of shamed if they don't do certain things but now it's not to do with whether you're going to have sex or not it's to do with what kind of sex acts you are open to having done to you and it's actually often it's whether you will be um submissive in the bedroom in and again i put that in inverted commas because it's um it's not bdsm it's just boys who want to smack or pull hair or degrade or you know do have rough sex with girls regardless of whether it's actually pleasurable for them and a lot of girls are thinking that if they don't want to do that they're vanilla they're boring um and so they kind of think that they have to like things that are actually quite niche and some people do like but that's like in a in an adult setting where you've all explored what you like already um so yeah especially on like platforms like tiktok the the word vanilla is often used to just yeah really like um degrade and like kind of manipulate young girls who will be in the comments being like oh my god I'm not vanilla it's like oh baby be vanilla please exactly like that's something shameful that you know just to, yeah I mean as you said it's fine to be into whatever you're into but if you're not into it that's also okay as well yeah and it brings us to K for kinky because this is the thing as well I've spoken to a lot of young people recently where they feel very much pressured into doing things uh, when they hook up with a guy, you know, whether it's choking, they're allowing themselves mm-hmm. to be choked or those kind of things, but they're not really wanting to do it. But they feel yeah. like if they don't do it, then it's sort of they're going to be demeaned. And this is going on in the, the dating apps as well, where men yeah. are expecting that and very much signaling that. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a kind of uh, bin fire of uh, different things, whether it's, you know, the mainstreaming of, of violent porn is what it really is the kind of the basic porn you will get on the kind of page of first page of Pornhub is uh, rough sex you know at at least hair pulling spanking kind of it's not even submissive really it's just kind of violent from the men and and sort of just passive from the women or pretending they like it because porn actresses are actresses um, which a lot of young people don't realise and that but also kind of Fifty Shades of Grey which is just like oh um not the BDSM community I hate that um I have it on good authority um so it's become this thing that's almost kind of standard part of sex 
um, and people are being told that that's like that's their introduction that's how you start um and I think a lot of girls do feel pressured in and I also feel like a lot of young boys and it's you know not as physically risky for them because things like choking are incredibly dangerous um even if not the risk of death the risk of brain damage all these kinds of things um but even young boys who aren't necessarily so well heterosexual boys aren't necessarily at such a risk um they don't get to explore what they might like in the bedroom either it's like this is what sex is like it's very sad for all parties but it's kind of dangerous for girls and it's also um something that they seem to get more shamed for um online and uh you know by people it's it's things that are expected of them that are quite dangerous and and there are some guys who think that like all girls like to be choked now and and you'll see female comics doing stand up about it and stuff and it's like um you know I probably used to laugh at that stuff until I kind of learned more about how dangerous it is um and like you know even people who are really experienced and do courses you know don't actually choke each other in bed that's not actually what that is it's never been that um so it's just terrifying really um the whole thing the more you look into it it's um it's a bit bleak really but i think by writing books like this and having conversations like this um hopefully like more and more young women are hearing that that is just not what sex has to be i mean it is a bit bleak and probably this is the time to say like i read in your book i have two 13 year old daughters i'm like oh my God, I can't bear them to ever go anywhere near one of these dating apps that you've just written a book about full of misogyny. Yeah. But I suppose why you wrote the book was because you went on the apps, you saw all this stuff and you wanted to help other women kind of in a funny way too, because it's, it's there's a lot of laughs to be had in the book too yeah. and in this subject. But you kind of wanted to say, look, this is how this is it's a minefield, but here's how to get through it without having a, a, a mine explode in your face. Mm-hmm. But can you tell me, is it all like this or is there any, is there, is there good parts of the internet dating from your experience? No, it's not all like this. And, and, you know, yeah, very much I kind of try and signpost at various points in the book that like I'm talking about the misogynists. I'm talking about the kind of things that we need to avoid. And I'm I'm also using it as a jumping off point to talk about misogyny in relationships and in just in society in general because I think it's a really like interesting microcosm to like look at um but I mean I have a I have a partner a long-term partner that I met on a dating app um I'm loath to admit it but there you go um but no and I don't make that a, a massive part of my work because I don't want it to be like the happy ending like when I found a man now you know that because the happy ending was me realizing that I would like a man, but whatever, you know, and and kind of na- navigating my way through these things and making sure that my anchor was always my self-esteem and my self-worth and not sort of bending to the, you know, whatever kind of wind that was blowing from different men who I wanted to like me. Um, but, you know, it's it's not all like this. And some people will look at my page and they'll be like, oh, sometimes I think I'm going to download the apps again. And then I see your page and I'm like, oh, never. Um, but I'm getting sent all the worst bios from all around the world. Dublin, <laughs> you know, Melbourne, you know, like San Francisco, like wherever you might be, there are these bios. And it is it, it is a big part of it. Like it is a big part of it. 
and that's something that again we could kind of like if we're if we're prepared you can kind of just get through those bits quite easily you're not trying to engage you're not trying to say like you know tell men off you just block let's go you're right not you not you not you you know or you're not trying to excuse behaviors because it's become normalized but those things are things that we because it's this is so new it's only 10 years old um so many people like me are getting out of long-term relationships and going back on to dating and it's that's what you do now that we don't have that kind of like we're not equipped in that way to approach it in a sort of way that's like keeping us safe and just keeping it fun. Um, but I, I mean, I started the account because it's not always fun. And actually translating these bios, which were all mine at first, because every time I went onto the apps, I could find two or three, um, was kind of a cathartic way to kind of make fun of it. And, you know, I, many a truth is told in jest and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom. And I think young people, although there is there are a lot of pressures on them that we didn't maybe have, they also have a lot more language and a lot more access to good education um, about these things. So I, I have a son who's nine um, and it all oh, is a bit terrifying to me at the moment as well with all the kind of online misogyny and stuff. I'm just like watching everything he's looking at like, nope, nope, not you. You will not be one of these men. <laughs> like, um, But it's, uh, you know, there is there is a lot of good stuff out there and there are uh, some good guys out there. Uh, it's it's true. That, that is, that's great news, Aileen. Um, there was a review of your book in the Australian, I think, and the, uh, the reviewer <laughs> yeah. was not very happy with you. Called it a two hundred page swipe at single men and said mm-hmm. uh, that the Tinder translator is to encourage women to reject disrespectful behaviour from men when dating online. But the result is an awful grinding feminist own goal. He really didn't like your book. Do you think he took it, it a bit a, personally? It was written by a woman. Oh. See, that's I terrible. I assumed it was a, a man. I mean, I, seriously, I um, it's a very, uh, yeah, I think I don't know what's happening in that review because at one point she quotes uh, what I think is a really lovely bit of my book where I talk about how I'm talking about not taking your not like other girls as a compliment because actually other girls are bloody amazing and women are amazing. And so I'm do- there's this kind of kind of gushing quote about how like all of the people who built me and all of the art I love it, almost all of it is from women and then she's kind of goes what women like Rosemary West women like Ghislaine Maxwell and I'm oh like oh my gosh I'm sorry what it's just it's like very like I'm like no oh you caught me I'm a big Maxwell fan you know like no I don't um I don't mean those particular women um but it yeah so it's a kind of quite a bizarre review um and I did think it was by a man at first um but it's not um so I don't know I think that some people I suppose it depends the spirit you're reading it in that there is a lot of dry humor um and there is actually I think quite a lot of warmth in the book um because I really care about women and our experiences and keeping us safe and happy and I think every woman who has self-worth and like lives in that truth is a better every every person actually it's it's with regardless of gender but i suppose i'm focusing on women who date heterosexual men so they're in this kind of patriarchal relationship even in their um intimate relationships you know I, i think it's just so important that we talk about all this stuff and unmask it um so yeah i think it's kind of like a a warm 
a warm book in a way, although it's cuttingly sarcastic a lot of the time. Um, but I think some people can take it uh, maybe, I don't know, a little... I don't know. I don't want to say too seriously because it's, it is serious in some places, but I don't know, with humorlessly is maybe the right word. But yeah. Let's talk about another couple of your um, A to Z M is for married because there's a lot of married men on those dating apps and are kind of open mm. about it. It's kind of interesting. What's yeah, that all it's, about? It's, and they're not afraid of getting caught. Well, a lot of them don't put pictures on. So I think a lot of them, uh, so, I mean, some do, and that's bizarre to me because they'll be like, and then they'll say in their bio that they're married. And I'm like, do you think your wife doesn't have friends? Like, what? Um, you know, like single friends. And maybe they, that's that's what they're banking on. I don't know. Um, or maybe they're in different parts of the UK or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, so there's kind of like a few different genres of married man on dating apps. One is the guy who will be like, think it's like sexy like think it's like yeah like let's meet for some no strings fun and it's like <laughs> that's not sexy dude if you're not if you're not having fun with your wife why do i like why would i want to i mean not that i would want to have fun with you if you were having fun with your wife but you know what i mean and then there's another type of guy who will just be like you know don't judge me in a sexless loveless marriage it's usually sexless actually i don't think they care about the love bit <laughs> Um, you know, just looking to get my needs met, but I'm staying for the kids. It's like, oh my God, what a hero. <laughs> like, oh my God, well done, mate. Like, oh, do you know what? What a good guy that you're, you know, just trying to cheat on your wife on dating apps because of the kids, for the kids. Um, and then there are lots that don't say as well. And they, I don't think I was like quite savvy to them when I started um, online dating. I wasn't cynical enough in a way to, just kind of think there are a few guys now that I was in conversations with um, and even like a couple that I met up with that I think now maybe they were in uh, like looking at the warning signs they were in maybe in long-term relationships and kind of you know because they were a bit erratic with me and a bit like didn't always message me back or they'd message me back late at night or because um, there's all these signs you know of of uh maybe someone's in a relationship whether it's they can't you never go back to their house whether it's you know they say that they've got a complicated relationship with the mother of their children or they um they only message you in working hours or only message you really late at night um there are some signs to kind of like you know in it, there can't there can be explanations for these things but it's worth looking out for. And I kind of go through those a bit in that chapter as well. Um, Cause it's something maybe I was a bit naive about, which is ironic because my marriage uh, ended <laughs> with an affair. So I don't know why yeah. I was like, Oh no, married men don't do this. Not a dating app affair though, to be fair. So when, I'm curious, Aileen, about when you saw your, um, your partner's bio on, on, on these dating apps, mm -hmm. presumably there was nothing in that that gave you any concern. No. Um, I think there's, uh, I probably teased him about some things, but I, yeah, um, it's really funny. Actually, I asked recently on my, on my page, like, what, what do you look for in like photos of guys? Um, and so many people said a kind face or kind eyes. Um, and that was definitely something that, uh, my partner has a very kind face. Uh, and that was nice, but yeah, I think he, uh, we both have children and he kind of briefly mentioned that, but didn't make a like, my kids are my world. Like, you know, just sort of said, I've got a daughter and I take that quite seriously. Everything else, not so much or something like that. And um, and uh, he said that he was a lefty. So I was like, great, this sounds all right. Um, but I think we just had like 
good chat from the get-go and the thing about running my page I mean when we met I probably had I don't know less than 2,000 followers or something I'm not sure how many followers I had but it was like quite a small page at that time um is I would send it to people guys that I was talking to and be like this I do this thing and you know that's instantly whether they can laugh it or not is is like a yes or no for me and a lot of my friends have done it as well they've been like my friend runs this page like have a look at that and if they can't sort of at least be like oh my god like what are these bios about or like oh sound you know then they're kind of like "Mm." if they kind of try and defend the guys with the awful the magician at pleasure academy you know then (laughs) so right well no thanks um but yeah, so that was always a good litmus test when I was dating. I recommend it. Anyone can use it. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> so before you go, would you just, for people who are listening to this now, who maybe haven't been on the apps or have daughters who are going on, mm-hmm. so obviously a lot of people listening will know, will be relating to everything you're saying. But what is the kind of, to sum it up, what what should people be, um, have their antennae up for, you know, and and, and to, to guard themselves against uh, overall um, in terms of the dating apps? Well, I think um, a really solid start is to go on there with a sense of what it is you want. And it can, that doesn't matter what it is, whether it's like, I just want to go on some dates and I'm not that bothered or I just want to have sex with people, but, you know, in a, in a respectful way um, or I want a long-term relationship. Um, and then sort of like engaging with the people who want the same thing as you. Um, I think one thing is to, it gets really easy to, dismiss your feelings of discomfort because there are so many men who will push boundaries um is to just be like right if someone's making me feel uncomfortable I'm not going to talk to them anymore and you know just have that as a really hard boundary for yourself because you don't you don't owe these people anything and very rarely does someone make you feel uncomfortable once and then it turns out that that you're going to get married and live happily ever after or even have a nice date you know so really like check in with yourself and be like, oh, you know, I thought that was a bit off. I mean, if something's a bit off, you could say it. And then if they get defensive, which they almost certainly will, then, you know, just you can just end the conversation. I don't think this is going to work out for me. And, and the thing is, you also need to have a bit of resilience because most women I know who will say to men, actually, having talked to you, I, I don't think we're on the same page. Politely saying, no, thank you, um, we'll have, we'll, we'll get abuse back. I didn't want to, like, you're ugly anyway or whatever, you know, all this stuff. It's like, and just to kind of go, right, bin that. But I think having, going with your gut and also just, like, having an awareness of what you want and having an awareness of whether someone is interested in you as a full human being. Are they asking you questions about yourself? Are you doing all the work in the conversation? You know, is, are you, do you feel like someone's interested in you? Um, and if the answer is no, for me, that's really unattractive. Um, but it's also the case of a lot of these conversations. Um, so I guess it's about being selective and trusting your gut and um, having enough self-worth to to kind of want what you would want for your friends, for yourself, I suppose. And, you know, read my book. That'll help. <laughs> uh, well, it, it definitely will. I mean, the page has evolved over the years. It's not just translating Tinder profiles. It's definitely a commentary no. on modern misogyny and feminism and how women navigate the world. So what is next for you? Are you working on anything else? Are you stuck in your Tinder translator lane or has this widened your horizons? Um, I hope not. I, I, um, I'm, I mean, obviously Tinder Translator has given me such a, um, 
it's given me a, a kind of new career path, really. Um, but yeah, there's so much more that I talk about, as you say, on my page to kind of respond to. There's so much online misogyny, so there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I don't have a, another book project coming up yet, but I am... Um, I've got about five ideas. Um, so, uh, but I am... Uh, working on a few bits and bobs and I'm actually off to Australia in May because that's where my publishers is. Um, so I'm finally going to meet people and I've got quite a big following there. So I'm going to do some events and things like that. Um, but mostly at the moment I'm working on just like um, looking at what's next and I'm trying to engage and educate people about kind of online misogyny uh, and the kind of, you know, the the Andrew Tates of the world, but, you know, he's just one. Um and also just make women laugh uh, in a world that sometimes is a bit much. Um, so, yeah, it's all a bit up in the air at the moment. I'm still very much kind of in the Tinder translator zone, but it's definitely not going to be where I stay forever. You mentioned the word bleak just finally. I mean, mm-hmm. can you leave us on a more uplifting note? Because I do think the book is quite depressing. And I mm-hmm. think um, online discourse a lot of the time seems to be quite depressing in terms of, as I said, I haven't been on one, but I hear from friends but I suppose to leave it on the fact that uh, people do meet people still online and that there are, but also people still meet people in real life uh, yeah. uh, as well. I you know, and, and that it's, it's not, we've been taught, especially as women to like center romantic relationships as the be all and end all as the thing that's like the happy ending. And anyone who's in a long-term relationship knows that a good relationship is great, but it's not a happy ending. It's a part of your life. Um, a healthy one anyway. It shouldn't be, you know, all consuming. And I think that my positive really is the way that, um, the community that's been built around my page and the way that I see women, um, and people of all genders supporting each other. And, you know, although there is this kind of dark side to to online dating, dark side to the internet, there's also this amazing side, which is the solidarity that's built people not feeling alone because they find other people to talk to, especially if you're single and all your friends are in relationships and they're like, oh, it can't be that bad, you know, (laughs) finding other people online to talk to and, um, you know, sort of building a resilience as a community um, and sort of saying, actually, no, we're not going to stand for this anymore. And I think actually a lot of what the kind of online misogyny stuff is, is a reaction to a lot of women actually say, no, I'm not standing for this anymore. So in a way it's like, ha, you get angry, boys, but we're 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 doing all right. We're we're getting there. We're getting there. Well, thank you for ending it on a lovely positive note. About <laughs> community and solidarity and I suppose women supporting each other and like you say, people of all genders, because I like to think that most people are good really and a lot of the yeah. time we focus on the on the bad apples in the barrel and but the book is great and I think it's definitely something that everyone who's embarking on that world should read so that they are thank you. armed very well. Um and don't waste their time with people who mm-hmm. are not worth your time. But thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. That was Aileen Barrett there. And her book is Tinder Translator, which is an A to Z of modern misogyny. And it is bleak, but it's also a very, very funny book. And I would recommend you read. And I'm going to press it into the hands of many young women in my life, too. That's it for me. The podcast is produced by Suzanne Brennan, Aideen Finnegan and by me, Roisin Ingle, with JJ Vernon on sound. Mind yourselves and I will talk to you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 